Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Joe Hung, a colleague at Exabel who has enjoyed an active career in alternative data at funds including Point72. In our conversation, Joe and I talk about the way alternative data usage has gone below the top line and is increasingly enabling a deeper analysis of a company's past, present and future. In other news, join us on Zoom this Wednesday at 3pm London time for an interactive conversation about all things alternative data with a focus on synthetic data led by Jason Hills, formerly of Factius, and Fabiana Clemente of Ydata. Join the LinkedIn group in the episode information for more details. So, Joe, as I say, you're a colleague at Exabel. Um, the reason you're here actually is that you've got a very interesting life before Exabel um, and a very interesting outlook on alternative data um, and and all things. So, uh, let's talk about let's talk about all of that. Let's talk about the whole the whole the whole shebang. Um, why don't you start by giving a kind of very quick potted history? Of, um, of your career. Is that all right? Sure. So prior to going to business school, I was a journalist and the senior editor at Casey Research, which is a financial newsletter focused on natural resources and, and oil and gas. And after spending a few years there, I decided to hop back into finance on the more kind of hard finance side of things. So I went to do my B school at Wharton and then I came out, worked as a fundamental research analyst at, at QVT Financial, then as the an insights analyst at Point72, where I focus a lot on alternative data, and then mostly been in the cross-section, the intersection between alternative data and finance ever since. And right now, I am part of the fundamental research team at Exabel to really help continue drive that conversation between fundamental analysts and data analysts and helping both sides find value in each other and helping fundamental analysts help value find value in alternative data. Fantastic. That was that was whistle stop. Um, when in all of that did you first hear the words alternative data? I would say it's like kind of 2016, 2017. This is kind of when a credit card data was really big. There's a Yipit was really big. Just a lot of people really trying to use different methods of accessing data because yip it began i haven't i haven't actually i haven't actually had yip it on on the podcast yet but i think they began as a groupon they were a groupon um type company um and um then it turned out i think that people were more interested in the the data they could provide than the vouchers that they were that they were bringing up with and so they they pivoted but so that maybe that was around 2016 that they really cuz groupon was probably what 2014 2015 or something or earlier maybe was when it was really peaking um so that was so then they pivoted and came across your radar i mean i i kind of think alternative data sprung up from you know that constant drive for alpha on the buy side in that probably back in the 80s or 90s it was probably sufficient to read financial reports and be able to understand financial reports and gain an edge that way but more and more it became more difficult so people had to look for alternative ways to get at data and credit cards was kind of like the big thing that happened web scraping actually happened a little bit before then just not as 
structured and institutionalized. Uh, for example, we were using web scripts back in 2010, even at my, uh, my financial newsletter. But so from your perspective, you were at QVT uh, and you were, you were doing some financial analysis and you became aware that alternative data was, was this kind of growing trend. Do you remember how you, how you kind of, how it entered your, how, what were you using it for initially? Initially, it was really just to find extra ways to triangulate things like same store sales, things like revenue growth. It was originally using quantitative inputs to try and have a better estimate of fundamental KPIs. A lot of analysts would be, oh, I expect the same store sales growth to be at 3% or 5% or 7%. And some of that is based on hunches. Some of that is based on sell side models. I just wanted to have a better number. So that's why I delved into the space of alternative data to try and get an edge. I also came from a non-traditional background. I realized I'm not going to make thousand line models and I can't compete with the former investment bankers or former private equity people on that front. So I have to find new and innovative ways. And alternative data was one way to get at that. You need to think sideways. Um, in terms of, uh, so in your role, I don't know how involved you were in the procurement of the data, but you know, you talked about web scraping, which is, which is free if you can do it. Um, but getting a hold of transaction data would have been, would have, would have had a big upfront crop, upfront cost. That must've been something that you had to, had to square with someone to make that happen, wasn't it? Yeah. So I would say credit card data, at least definitely a few years ago was a pretty expensive cost. So we're talking kind of low to mid six digits at least, which means if you're not a fund of a certain size, this was a very inaccessible data set. And this was the holy grail for a while and you can make a lot of money just using credit card data. I think a lot of that time has passed as the credit card data itself becomes more and more democratized. And the amount per ticker has gotten significantly cheaper over time. So smaller funds are able to access it and that that's both good and bad. You have this more transparency in the market, but at the same time, that means alpha is now harder to generate with just credit card data. It's just development, isn't it? It's neither good or bad. It's just the march of march of time, and we and we and we progress. It's probably better for life expectancies or something like that. In the end of at the end, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so uh, and so you so credit card data was how you got into it, and then so how did you what what, tell, tell me about the, how did you get from QVT into point seventy two? What was the, what was the story there? So yeah, QVT converted to a family office and then I knew I wanted to do something that's in between financial analysis and, and data. So that's why I joined point seventy two team, which gave me a lot of different data sets to play with. It was an extremely interesting role with amazing colleagues and I thoroughly enjoyed my my role there and it gave me visibility into just how kind of large data sets are are used and how multiple data sets are thought about in the same in a fundamental context uh we probably need to be careful about specifics i suppose with with exact you know with exact data sets and things but i imagine broadly speaking this did this did this widen the amount of, and types of data that you were you were looking at and you were presumably introduced to a whole new world out of the straight credit card transactions and into you know a much it just took you into the 
enter the Champions League type thing. Would that be would that be fair? I think the the best way to think about it is that I was exposed to a variety of different data sets and really helps me use these different data sets to triangulate certain KPIs and also kind of beyond what traditionally was used, was alternative data was used. Mainly alternative data, at least in a few years ago, was just used for revenue signals and, and how revenue predictions, how we can get as close as possible. But with kind of the richness of the data set that I was I was given access to, it means that I can go really beyond that top line. How do I think about margins? How do I think about operating costs? And even thinking about are there things that, even on the real estate line that we should think about first, are there things on the horizon in terms of job postings? Are there things on the horizon in terms of kind of ESG that we need to think about first? And this was already happening in 2018, 2019, or are you talking more closer to the present day? Uh, I think it was a kind of style of thinking that happened in kind of in the 2018, 2019 space as the alpha in just credit card data uh, becomes harder. Not to say it can't be done. I think it just takes, you can't just take one revenue estimate from a credit card panel and expect to generate significant alpha off of that. It's going to be either systematic or you're going to have to cut it in different ways. You have to be more intelligent about using that data. Um, and so the, this trend and it's uh, the picture you paint is one I, I definitely recognize from from today, this kind of um, that you need to, yeah, that, that it's not as simple as just getting hold of a, a credit card transaction data and, and, um, and you know, there you go. There's the, then you print the money. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's much more a, well, it's much more, um, that you have to, you have to, you have to seek beyond, but, um, and so in terms of, uh, so in terms of alternative data today, let's, let's, let's bring it forward. So in terms of alternative data today, where do you see the, um, so where do you see the challenge today? Here we are, the end of 2021. What do you think is the is the big where's the where's the puck right now in the uh, in the in the alternative data ice hockey game? Um where's the where's the game? Where's the action happening? I think it becomes a bit of an arms race really. I think if, a few years ago the arms race was more on how can we get credit card data faster? Can we get the field delay down to 2 days, down to 1 day, etc. And and now the, the conversation has, has shifted a little bit. What about things like supply chain issues? This was a really big one this quarter. What about things like like margins? What about things like discounts? How about can we use foot traffic to think about how covid recovery has been? Uh, what about sustainability. These are kind of the next level, the next order derivative is where the puck is at right now. Some, I would say some funds are, are already dedicating a lot of resource to this, but not everyone is. So kind of like the, the points I mentioned previously regarding gross margin, regarding operating costs, this is where I see the battle being fought right now. And it's going to evolve again in the future. But what has enabled? What's 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 driven these conversations to become more thematic? Why do you think? Why do you think that's the case? Is it because there's more, for example, data sets around supply chain? So now you can actually start looking for those answers where before in 2018 you couldn't. Or is it the fact that um, the you know the requirement is there because we've been driven out of the the the, the easy pickings, and so you've got to start getting creative to do it or, or both like what what do you think has caused this 
driven us here? I, I think it's primarily just you have to dig deeper for the alpha now, and that's both a good and a bad thing. It mm -hmm. means that if you're really clever about it, there's still plenty of money to be made in, in alternative data. And just and, and you're also right, like there is just so much more data available. There is also a challenge, not just being able to deal with the data once you have it, but even which data sets do you pick? Which ones are going to give you the most bang for the buck? Data sets are, are not cheap by nature. So you need to make sure you're generating enough alpha to cover it, to covering those costs. And so it really becomes various things. How do you source correct data? How do you make sure the data is profitable? How do you combine all of these data together to create that mosaic that you want so that you're not just giving yourself an echo chamber and actually using the different data sets to prove certain fundamental thesis that you're looking for? And then if you and using these to build prediction models, using these to build back testers, both on a quantitative and on a fundamental level, I think is kind of where everything is moving towards. And it's based out of necessity and also just based on, off of industry maturity as well. So the, the short answer to, to, your answer, to your question is both, but more on the latter. And the latter was more about having to being driven essentially by, by competitiveness. You've got to like, there was the, the easy pickings are gone. And so you've got to, you've got to be creative. So let's talk a little bit more about the beneath the, beneath the top line um, search. So what do you, how do you begin? Do you think um, to let's, let's put you back in your, in your, in your hedge fund seat. Um, how are you going to begin making money this quarter? Well, it depends on what your fundamental thesis is, and you use alternative data to answer those questions. So say your your question this quarter is on supply chain, then you should be looking for a, a database which gives you either things like out-of-stock indicators or on an import-export database where you can kind of firmly see whether or not the imports have fallen significantly, if your main let's go back sorry to interrupt joe let's go back how did you how how was your focus of supply chain this quarter how did how did you come to that was that given to you or did you read in the news and think right this is where the action is or was it obvious that it's about supply chain because it's all anyone's talking about it's all anyone's talking about you turn on cnbc there there it is uh if if you're anyone trying to import anything you can see the the price of shipping containers are spiking massively sell uh, side will probably also tell you industry people will also tell you it's i think this will come up a lot in the primary research for for an analyst and that's where the and it's supply chain is where the action is because that's where the money movement is happening that's where the that's where the money is either being moving in or moving out of and so either way you've got to have a position on it what well, it's not it's not even an area it's everything isn't it supply chain actually it touches it touches everything so supply chain is going to be defining all of your investments in whatever whatever sector because it's so so big and so important yeah and you also need to see if this is a transitory this is a permanent shift if you are focusing on companies that are have primary domestic supply chains are they necessarily doing better than ones that are more international and there are just a lot of different questions that can be answered with alternative data that can be kind of difficult to do with even a large network of kind of expert calls in order to piece those together. Here you have real quantitative reasons to back it up, things to either show your, show your PM or show your investors like, look, we made this decision because of A, B, and C. 
So you've started the quarter, you've decided supply chain is, is, is clear that supply chain is your focus. Um, you need to have a, have a position on what is going on with supply chain and how it will affect all your investments. Where do you go? What do you do? How do you, um, what, how do you begin to use alternative data to, to answer your questions? Well, so you start by choosing, choosing your weapons, choosing the data sets that are most likely to be able to answer your questions. What kind of thing would you think for that, for that topic on, off the top of your head? So web scrape data on company websites or import export. Those would be the, the two things that come off the top of my head. And the first one is very well recognized in the industry as one measure of how you can see whether or not product are uh, out of stock or not. Mm-hmm. And would you normally uh, have access to the right data set for, to, to answer your questions? Or would you be thinking we need to be finding something outside on a, on a kind of day-to-day basis? Would you be normally, it would be there or you'd be looking for it? That depends on how big of a fund you're at. If you're at a really big fund, I would imagine this database would already be there. If you're at a smaller fund, then that might be something you need to look for. And there might be several competitors which all offer the same thing. And so evaluating this data, which ones would give you the closest predictor to KPIs, which one has the coverage universe that you want, which one has the history that you want, becomes a, a question for the individual fund and even the, sometimes the individual analyst. At this point, you don't you you know that you you're interested in supply chain. Do you know the exact uh, question that you want answered, or are you searching for questions as well as searching for answers in the data? I would say the questions generally are come up during primary research, and the answers are provided by alternative data. Of of course, there are people which do it the other way around, which also looks at questions from the alternative data space. But in my experience, it's mostly I have my questions that come up from talking to sell side, from talking to to other buy side folks, from talking to industry that I believe need to be answered. And then I go into the data to look. Okay. So you've got into the data uh, and take me through. So you've chosen your weapons. You know what data sets you're going you're gonna to look at. Um, let, let, take me forward. From there, it's both an understanding of the data itself, like where is it coming from, what sort of data weaknesses it may have, and then look for an indicators that may tell me what I'm thinking about. So if it's a web script database, I will probably try to think through things like, is how many percent of the SKUs are out of stock? What is the average price? What percentage is discounted? What per- how big is the discount? All of these are going to translate to margins. The, the difference between an average in-stock price and average price is going to tell me whether or not this stock out is strategic. And all of these things give me a full picture of, is the product stocked out? Is the company in trouble? And whether or not the street is aware of this already. So back in the early days, let's say 2016, 2017, you were, the focus was on, um, you would have been using credit card transactions data to look at, um, you know, such a, such a, such a, a brand or shop. And, uh, and you've been saying, you know, there's been a lot of buys this, 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 um, this quarter. So, uh, revenue is going to be high. Sales are going to be high at the end of the quarter. And that was what you'd be betting on. Now 
um, we are one order above that. Um, and so now we are looking at the actual using the alternative data to actually look at the functioning that's going on within the brand or shop and understanding um, how how the functioning of the shop is going to be affected by the market conditions. In order to do that, I imagine you probably need a better understanding of how the shop works than you did back in the credit card transaction days. Is that true? Definitely true. I would say fundamental insights and fundamental analysis are more important than ever. Data is not meant to replace fundamental analysts. Data is meant to be a tool to help fundamental analysts do their job better. Uh, but how did the how did the 2018-19 so the 2018-19 analyst or 2021 analyst has had to become better at understanding companies than he was in 2016 if he's going to use alternative data? How do you think that happened? I think you have to be better at both now. There's the market is more efficient, the market has more participants. So it should be also clear that the analysts also have to be better. It's always going to be a tougher and tougher environment. And the alpha is always, there's always competition for that alpha and everybody's chasing this, the, 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 the same numbers. And yeah, so to get back to what you were saying before, yes, you're, you're, you're correct. Like it was enough to forecast whether or not the revenue was going to beat or miss. And that would probably translate a decent amount of time. But over the last few years, we have continued to see that just because you call the revenue has no impact on, on the stock price whatsoever. It has things to do with the outlook, it has things to do with the margins, it has, it has other other factors that play into the stock price, sometimes even a lot more than the in-quarter revenue. So we've come to, so one, so by the development of the data in the last five years, as we've been discussing, that has also led to a development in the analyst of of having to be a little bit smarter and be a little bit more thoughtful about how you know supply chain works within a big department store or whatever um and that is clearly a source of edge and so the best of the people with the access to the most most cutting edge data and the most uh thoughtful analyst is is definitely a source of edge are there any other obvious sources of edge you think which which is which is very of 2021 is there anything that you can do now that you couldn't do in 2016 the amount of data that is available today versus what is available in 2016 are vastly different there are so many companies which have data collection good data collection that started in 2017 2018 or even 2019 and which means the ability to combine signals into a workable thesis and a workable mosaic that is provable is probably more important now than it was in 2016. Like just piecing it together with data. You're able to do this now and you definitely was not able to do the kind of like this same amount with the same level of fidelity five years ago. Are we talking about quantities of like, like size of data sets or are we talking about combining data sets or both? So both, I guess. Um, but I think the combination of data sets is the next frontier and probably the most important for analysts. Like imagine if you could combine a credit card transaction panel with web scrape, then you add on things that are say more like geolocation or you combine all these together to paint a really, really complete picture of the entire supply chain and value chain and whether or not people are coming 
into the store more or is it more online? You can see like the demographics of this. You can paint a really full, rich picture of how the business is actually working as opposed to in 2016, you just saw how much the company was making on a revenue basis. Yeah. This is a drastically different world. Okay. And who is capable of doing it right now, do you think? Right now, I think, unfortunately, given just the cost and the data engineering resources needed to process all of this data and to be able to combine all of this data and to store all of this data, it's really just in the top few funds, either in the buy side or in the hedge fund space. And I really think that's a that's a shame. I, I do think that this data should be democratized and should kind of be used by a lot of smaller funds because there's alpha there and there's just, yeah, I, I don't think that game should be hogged by the, by, the, by the big boys. Everyone should be able to play it. You say unfortunately, but it, it has ever been thus, hasn't it? Like in 2016, it was only probably only the big boys who were getting the access to the credit card transactions that are today, um, are which are today the, um, uh, you know, bread and butter a little bit more. It's it's the uh, it's the order of things. And in a way, uh, big boys actually, the fact that you have that size of institution gobbling up that many top PhDs from the top universities and generating that amount of money that they can spend on research potentially might have that kind of, you know, NASA effect that they are taking the technology forward and they're being a leading edge and cutting it through. And potentially if you democratize, democratized and everyone was on an, on an even keel, we, that, that might affect, uh, that may, might, uh, affect overall development because it would be, we'd lose that, that, that piercing point. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that that is also a good point because, you know, rising tide raises all boats. And if you're pumping more money into the overall ecosystem, you are, you are you're right, it's supporting the overall type of alternative data ecosystem and which in turn powers how, how, uh, how we, how we interact with the data as well. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, they, they could be acting as the kind of white hot center where new ideas are being generated and actually if if it was a more even level playing field across the board then potentially um you'd lose some of that some of that kind of drive in the in the center which is pulling all things forward but it's just a it's just a thought it may be wrong (laughs) but but, um and and data sets wise where are you seeing the most the most uh exciting data right now are you what what do you think is the is the cutting edge that you're seeing in alternative data so this may sound a little bit weird given how long web scraping has been around, but I actually still think there's a significant amount of value to be found in, in web scrapes and how that combines with, with credit card data. I also really like email receipts because then you can map those to line item, to line item detail. There's a lot of really, really interesting things going on in, in um, non-consumer kind of areas, which I think is kind of a lot of people are, are, are looking at that, healthcare, industrials, any sort of alternative data sets in those spaces would also be what I consider cutting edge. What about geography? Geography, I think the U.S. is definitely, there's a lot more data in the U.S. It's a lot more proliferated. So I think there's a, there's a lot of chase in China. There's a lot of chase in, uh, I think Europe to some extent is now coming 
more online. There's a few more data sets in that space. China's probably the bigger battleground. Uh, but China comes with its own with its own issues, does it not, in terms of the political and, and the shifting, the regulatory situation. Well, I mean, they all come with their own issues, to be honest. Europe as well, with languages and, and GDPR, GDPR and yeah. the rest. Yeah. And China has data reliability issues, definitely. Do you see Europe and China coming to coming to equal the US in terms of alternative data, or will these do you see these hindrances always always holding holding those two geographies back? I think right now the the stop is not necessarily on the hardware, on the hard side. So in terms of technical capability or the amount of data or anything like that, it might actually be more on the soft side. Just the fact that these industries aren't as mature in Europe and China means that there's not as many personnel focused on alternative data in Europe and China compared to the US. This will eventually catch up, but things like this take a much longer time than, say, building out servers. People is always the kind of bottleneck here. And so most recently, you have um, joined us at Exabel. Why did you join and what is your, what are you, what are you doing at Exabel? And what do you see, where do you see Exabel fitting into the, to the, to the overall picture? I think Exabel is, um, to put in kind of a shameless plug, it's a, it's a, it's a game changer in, in, in the market. I mean, we are, we can not only provide this sort of data engineering and this sort of kind of massive data visualization capability to smaller funds, but we're also able to help larger funds do everything from data evaluations through faster charting, through more modeling, et cetera. We have fully built backtesters, we have fully built modelers that a smaller fund probably doesn't have the resources to do. So I really think Exabel is a really exciting development in the alternative data market. And what do you think? What do you see Exabel as? What's its role? What's it, what's it there for? Exabel's role is to bring data vendors' data to life in a way that the buy side can consume easily. We, there's a lot of data that is currently delivered to buy side on what we call firehose basis. So they basically just drop it in an S3 bucket and then the buy side has to figure out how to clean it, how to analyze it, how to produce insights from it. Exabel is able to create a curated version of the data in a simpler to use fashion, which means it can be given to non-technical people. It can be given even to, to corporates, for example, and really given giving a way to access the data that even our, our, our data vendor partners have been surprised sometimes that we're able to unearth. Okay. And your and your role, what are you what are you what exactly are you doing with the company? So I am the on the fundamental research side, so I'm part of the team that helps with that process of unearthing the best ways to present fundamental insights and fundamental research from the data sets. We have another great team who focuses more on the quantitative end that produces more on how you use this to quantitatively trade and quantitatively generate the best strategies. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Joe, for for coming onto the podcast and uh, and sharing your your views on alternative data, past and present. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. So um, so thanks very much. Great. Thank you very much.